You're listening to the Capitol Press Room and returning our attention to the impact of the recently adopted state budget on New York's upstate public transit systems. And our guest is Carm Bazil, CEO of the Capitol District Transportation Authority, as well as the legislative chair for the New York Public Transit Association. Welcome back to the show, Carm. Thank you. It's great to be with you, David. We established what the need was for upstate transit, and that was an increase of 50% in state operating assistance. So take yourself back three years ago, project the next three years, and we knew that we needed a significant infusion in the cash. Those numbers happened before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, and it just sort of solidified the ask. That was the goal three years ago, and we had sort of poked away at that, and we were left with, you know, about 15% left undone. And lo and behold, and I don't know if this really happened because of that, systems like CDTA and Upstate New York end up with 14.6%. So mission accomplished, I guess. And what's the practical ramifications of that level of funding? Is it just about maintaining service? Is it about holding lines on fare increases? Is it about implementing expansion plans for the systems around the state? What's the ramifications of this money? Yeah, different, slightly different answers in each of the large public authorities, right? Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, and Albany. But here, all of the above get accomplished. And service, service levels here are, are a little different. Our service is built on high levels of frequency. I think you and I have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. We believe that high levels of frequency on core trunk routes results in uh, increased ridership because service is more convenient, right? Service is more attractive. That amount of money keeps that there. It doesn't require any fare increase. None of us are looking at a fare increase. As far as service expansion, it allows us to consider a number of of expansions that we have been considering. How many of them? You know, too soon to tell. I don't know if the same holds true in that regard for the other systems upstate. So I'm not going to speak for them on that. So when you think about the operating funds and the capital needs, what does this budget mean for the long-term future of the transit systems in upstate New York? I think it guarantees short-term success, short-term health, vitality. By short term, I mean two to three years. And I guess in the world we live in, going out past two or three years is for gamblers. So at least for us, and I think most of the systems upstate, this infusion guarantees that we can be successful for the next two or three years. We can build services and programs to attract ridership. We can do things that make our systems more attractive, easier to use, easier to understand. Well, in the capital district specifically, your region, what does the budget mean in terms of flexibility to try new things that you might have been thinking about? I think it helps us to do a lot of those things. And some of these things we've talked about, but, you know, a third BRT line. And that's bus rapid transit? Bus rapid transit, right, will roll in the fall of this year. We are expanding and will continue to expand our successful bike share program. We're the only system in in New York that operates its own bike share program. We just introduced an electric car share program. It it allows us to consider expanding that maybe faster than we would have thought. We recently um, expanded to a fifth county, Montgomery County, and have been 
operating service there for nine months. The increase in, in state operating assistance allows that to continue and, and hopefully to grow. We still have yet to address Route 5S, where there's a good deal of commercial development just outside the city of Amsterdam. We need to do that. Uh, and then lastly, recent news as of yesterday, uh, the Warren County Board of Supervisors passed a resolution to join the authority. So Glens Falls, Queensbury, Lake George will all now be under the umbrella of CDTA. All of that means that, you know, there's more coordination, more administration, more requirements of our organization. Having a nice infusion of state operating assistance truthfully allows me to sleep well at night. So when we think about upstate transit systems, the vast majority of this type of transportation means buses. And down in the New York City region, they are going to be getting, as a result of state investment, uh, five free bus lines, something that's a pilot program that they're looking to potentially expand across the entire system. What, if anything, do you think the state, upstate transit systems could potentially learn from that type of program or because of the way the upstate transit system is set up where it's mostly reliant on buses and we don't have a a vast subway network, is it likely that that experiment is unique solely uh, to New York City? My gut reaction wants to call it unique to New York City, but I think that that would be somewhat short-sighted. Uh, we'll watch it. We'll see what happens. But but everyone knows that buses are a secondary option to subways in, in the city. If a subway line is available, you know people gravitate to that, and for for lots of reasons, right? You don't have the on-road delays, and sometimes the bus gets the bus doesn't get there any quicker than a car. Right. Uh, so it's a little different here uh, in the upstate communities. Uh, I have always maintained that we can offer free or reduced fare rides to any segment of the population that needs it and actually currently do. I think before we leap into any sort of free fare program, lots more study needs to happen. And a lot of a lot of studies being being distributed nationally don't show it as the panacea that some people think it is. I want to turn to the capital side of things specifically and the mandate that your network as well as public transit around the state and well as for the transit in schools are going to have to address, which are the the green mandates. And I'm curious whether there's any meaningful investments from the state in this year's budget to help the upstate transit systems in particular comply with the green future that policymakers have required us to begin to implement. Yeah, there's a continued investment on, on, on New York State's part for zero emission vehicles. It's $20 million upstate uh, divided in a formula method. So for us, it's about $3.5 million. But honestly, that is nowhere near enough to, to, to move that mandate. Uh, whether it be electrification, whether it be hydrogen fuel cell, whatever the the choice ends up being, what we are finding, and we, we've been piloting this for a couple of years now, we have eight electric buses. It requires a significant investment in your infrastructure. Frankly, if, if you're doing it right, it requires you know, new facilities, new buildings. It's sort of like renovating your own home. After a while, you realize that you're throwing good money at a problem that you really can't solve. So you, you go out and buy, you build a new one that has everything you need and want. Yeah, there's an investment, but not enough. And, and certainly not enough to get us to where uh, some people would like to see us 
be in short order. This is a long-term effort. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, and there needs to be a good deal of cooperation and communication and collaboration with with the providers, in our case, you know, National Grid. Uh, they bend side by side, but but far too often they're not part of that conversation. They need to be. Is there still time for the state to make those types of investments so that you can comply with the, the green mandates in the future? Or are we going to be getting up against it quickly? Uh, boy, that that's the million-dollar question. If I had the answer to answer that, I'd I don't know if we're going to be getting up against it quickly, but I, I don't see this moving as fast as the mandates would have you move. There's, you know, we're learning every day. I mean, every day we learn something new. I mean, this is, I mean, think about this for, you know, this company has been around for, for plus 50 years. So let's just use that for 50 years. You know, we fueled and maintained the same way. Uh, the vehicles were um, powered and moved the same way. The training required to keep them at a high level of, of maintainability happened the same way. Now we're we're pushing you know mandates that you know would have you by the end of the this decade uh, be being fully electrified or or zero emissions. That that's a that's a significant issue, significant issue and a significant problem. I just don't think it can happen that fast. I think we're all well intentioned. I think um, I think we're moving in the right direction. I just think it's going to take a little bit more time. Well, finally, has the ridership patterns that you're seeing in the Capital District, have they returned to pre-pandemic levels, or are you still grappling with, I guess, a new normal in terms of ridership? Our ridership is is quite healthy. Uh, in fact, it's almost 100% of, of – we're pushing 100% of where it was pre-pandemic. Um, just – Last month, the first month of our fiscal year, April, uh, I was worried that we'd see a leveling off because we had a steady increase month over month last year. Well, there was a 20% increase in ridership in the month of April. So our ridership has 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 rebounded quite nicely. You know, lots of reasons for that. Uh, many many programs that we have in place are working. However, the way ridership is distributed is definitely changed. Uh, and we're embarking on a new transit development plan. We haven't done one since before the pandemic. Uh, we really need to to adjust our services to when and where people ride. Specifically, the spikes, the peak spikes between, let's call it 7 and 9 a.m., the traditional spikes, right? The work return time then was 4 to 6. They're not as high as they used to be. It's a leveling out of, of usage. So we have much more ridership in the midday certainly much more ridership in the evening as work habits and travel patterns have changed. Uh, is it here to stay? Uh, too soon to tell, but it doesn't look like it's, those spikes are not coming back. We still have bumps, um, the morning uh, commute, the traditional morning commute, traditional afternoon commute, but not as significant as they used to be, and a lot more weekend ridership. Well, we've been speaking with Carm Bazil. He's the CEO of the Capital District Transportation Authority and Legislative Chair for the New York Public Transit Association. Thanks so much for making the time, Carm. Thanks, David. Anytime. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.